When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So hello and welcome to Get It Off Your Breasts with myself, Leanna Bird. And me, Emma Gannon. We are delighted to be joined this week by the one and only Connie Huck and we'll be talking about parent top trumps, generational labels and women with successful partners and how they're treated by the media. So Connie, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you with us this week. Very excited We're to have so you We're so excited. I'm very excited to be here. Hooray. <laughs> it's all the more exciting because this is the first week my youngest child is in nursery, so it's like the first week of freedom. Uh-huh. So is this like your return back into well, kind this of... this is sort of like my return your other life. To, to adult conversation that doesn't involve Peppa Pig and there's no children <laughs> running around in the background. This literally... Couldn't be more perfect timing. Yeah, this is the first week of him doing full days. If you want me to start like throwing a tantrum mid-podcast just to make you feel a bit <laughs> I, more yeah, like I might familiar sort of, yeah. surroundings, we can do that. Good, good. So that will, yeah, that will ground me. So yeah, it's a bit weird. There's no appendages of children. But it's great. It's great yes. to be here. Great to have you. And as ever, we, we always invite our guests to um, get something off their breasts first. Mm-hmm. Because we're polite like There's that. There's a lot of stuff on my breasts, so I don't know where to start. This you must like have literally some stuff stacked up, up to the ceiling. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll just delve into what's on the top of my breasts currently. Go for it. Like, literally, I've just come straight from the doctor's. Because um, my eldest child... Oh, no, I'm not going to turn this all about children, am I? I've just escaped from children already. My first subject It's, it's transitional. Subject. It's transitional. Yeah, you've got to right. bridge it. Yeah, so. exactly. You're right. It's all part of the therapy. No. Um, so, basically, my eldest child didn't sleep at all last night because he's got some sort of willy infection. And his willy kept hurting. And he kept waking up and needing to go to the loo. So, I've been up all night. I'm sleep-deprived. Um... And my husband has too. And then this morning, when we had to get up to do the school run, etc., etc., and take the child that was up all night to the doctors to get the antibiotics, we, we had what I call the sleep-off, which I sort of haven't had for ages since they were babies. But I think all parents that have got young kids will know, where you sort of play sleep top trumps of who's had less sleep. <laughs> and you're like, I went to bed at 11 o'clock well, I didn't fall asleep till 5am. Well, at 5am, I was already awake from my half an hour. Because you're up all night because of the kids, especially when you have a baby. And we're sort of coming out of that neck of the woods now. But it just reminded me of, yeah, going back there. I always thought I'd have three kids. I'm one of three. And now that they're both sort of sleeping through touchwood, apart from when they have willy infections, there's some wood. I'm touching it. That's the sound effect of me touching wood. Um, yeah, and then I had two, and I'm sort of sleep. They're sleeping now and stuff, and I'm like, I'm done. I think number three is game over. Anyway, so yeah, sleep deprivation is my topic. There was a thing in the papers, wasn't there, at the weekend about sleep and how we all need lots of it. And I'm like, none of my parent friends get any sleep. I, I was just wondering, do you, because that seems like between couples, and actually. It's not just parents that do it, because I do it with my partner too. Do like, you? Who's yeah. had the least sleep? Who needs yeah. to make the tea in the morning yeah, and things exactly. like that? Yeah, exactly. But I was wondering, do you find amongst parents that actually you do that 
between other parents as well. So like other mums and dads who you're mates with or at the school gates to kind of almost as a badge of honour of like, oh God, I've had two hours sleep this week. And well, I've had half an hour sleep. You know I had negative sleep. It's funny. <laughs> there is this thing of, and especially with certain parents of like, this, like who's more stressed or who's got mm. more to do. And, but it's certain people, some people. So there's two types of parents. There's those that where everything is perfect. Look at the Instagram photos or whatever. And then there's, the other type that it's just like, oh, and then I had to do this, which now I've painted myself as that type because I've already complained to you about my sleep. But I'm not, I'm not. Really, my life is perfect. It's like the Margaret Thatcher thing of like, she had four hours and look what she achieved. It's like, oh, I don't, that's not really something I want to sort of uh, <laughs> aspire to be like. Yeah, mm. but exactly. I have a question because obviously I don't have children, but, um, you know, in the future, mm -hmm. that's something that I would like to do. Mm -hmm. But sleep is so important to I me know. and I know it's important to everyone and I know everyone probably thought before they had kids oh my god I love my sleep but I get like anxiety over how many hours sleep I'm gonna get I'm I like I need eight hours I, I used and to be I you. used to be like if I haven't had I eight hours to... I'm not gonna be myself yeah. what a privileged position to be in to be like I'm gonna get eight hours but and side does it get easier do you feel if you don't get eight hours that oh no I'm not my full person today yeah and I, I bet was, there's I so many totally... people rolling their eyes at me now like oh eight hours like enjoy it while it lasts does it get easier? No. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm like, can I have some practical tips, please? No, you know what? You just, it's its a baptism of fire. It's the best kept secret, I think. Because I think, before I went into parenthood, I was like, how difficult can it be? There's people that have five kids. There's teenage mothers. There's people that live at the top of a tower block where the lifts are broken that have to get a double buggy up there. You know, there's people that have triplers there's people in india working in the fields with kids strapped to their backs everyone has kids it'll be a dozzle and i have to say the sleep thing is almost the biggest kept secret you do go through this phase where you're like will i ever sleep again oh my gosh because sleep deprivation is a form of torture we yeah, all know yeah. that it it really isn't so you you mentioned a study that came out yes. and this was incredible i don't know if you read it too oh the as well. longer life longer yeah sleep. well this so it was um there was a, a big old article as well about it there's um uh, he's head of neuroscience and psychology at the university of california and he's been doing this study into sleep it's called matthew dr matthew walker for some time now and the results were incredible so not only has he linked sleep to dementia and alzheimer's and cancer and lack, all, of, sleep. lack of sleep so how much you can correlate how much sleep you get with how likely you are of developing these kinds of issues later in life so scary um, but he he has a really interesting point of view on it so it was what you know what you were saying there about margaret thatcher you know and i've heard that about obama as well like well he has five hours sleep gets up does a workout and it's kind of seen as and rules the really, world yeah and like really impressive right and like you kind of you kind of are um in awe of people who can function on small sleep whereas someone who you know says well i sleep nine hours a night or i'm go i'm gonna go and have an afternoon nap or even as i've done in the past like i can't i can't come to that 7 30 meeting because it will mean I won't have enough sleep. I'll meet you at nine. Yeah. You're kind of seen as lazy. And, and it, what he was saying, which is really interesting, was you don't call, you don't say, oh, look at that lazy baby having all that sleep because you get that sleep is necessary for their development and functioning. It's essential, right? It's, it's you know, it's needed for their body, their brain, everything. Yeah. Um, and we should be seeing adults like that too. And that eight hours I that you so were saying, agree. am I spoiled for having eight hours? No. And actually, you're it's responsible. Like, yeah. Well, it's, it's but like you a should never make a decision. Like, I mean, when I, we know when sometimes you like are moaning about something and one of your friends or family, they say, go to sleep mm -hmm. and you will wake up in the morning and feel different. 
and you always do. But but he his whole point is that it should be almost seen like medicine, and that it's like as important man. as exercise. He's like, you know, you, if you're gonna go, I go to the gym every week, and this and that. See sleep as work in the same way, like getting out as a sleep is this, is is as it's work. It's so important. just to play devil's advocate though, like what if like with Connie's situation when you've got a newborn or whatever, or even just a child mm. who has a uh, infection, like what happens when you can't get sleep? This is, do you know what? So I do another podcast called Geek Sheik's Weird Science, which is much more sort of sciencey based. And I really want to get this the Dr. Matthew Walker on it to do a sleep special. And that was my question. I was going to exactly that. So this is all because he goes, you know, he, his thing is he gets eight hours every night. He will not go without. That's you. And, and, and he, I want to say to him, what do you do in those situations? I guess trying to nap. But the problem is, like if and when you can, but the problem is you need 90 minutes of sleep to get to your deep sleep which is actually the kind of restorative that's sleep. right the so, rem yeah and so and then you need four or five of those cycles in a in a row to really get well, the apparently, work done so if you, if you have a four hour sleep cycle it means that if you wake up after four hours you feel fine if you wake up after eight hours you feel fine if you wake up after 12 hours you feel fine but if you wake up after six then it's that thing of where mm. you're you're waking up and you've got a dream that you half remember mm. and you haven't finished your full sleep cycle so you feel awful so maybe emma you could be a four-hour sleep circle cycle mm. girl that's waking up after eight hours i'm just throwing it out there, there. Yeah. in the olden that days i've got where it gently wakes you up during a cycle and so actually right. it might be better that i wake up at 7 12 a.m mm. rather than 10 a.m because right. actually i'll be more groggy i, I do find true. it all really interesting but i just think what if i'm getting myself into this amazing sleep situation and then when i do have kids i'm actually making myself worse because I'm taking away from that you routine. You know what we need to do is change the mindset of the nation. So if someone says, oh, I'm he eating healthily, yeah. I won't have that. You, you're, you're right. You sort of revere them. And not revere them, but you respect them. It's yeah. like what you were saying about going to the gym. It's a commitment, right? Yeah. And really, we should like say, wow, Emma, that's really cool. If she says she wants to go for a nap, people should facilitate that. They have exactly. siestas. Naps at work yeah. as well. Yeah. Nap rooms. Because actually that will mean more productive work. We just need to change the, change yeah. the mindset mm. of people to think it's like healthy eating or doing exactly. exercise. Oh Something yeah, like have that. you heard of that thing called clean sleeping? No, what's that? <laughs> it's the new clean eating. Is it? What is clean sleeping? I mean, I've got to admit, I, like, read, I read the headline and I, I didn't actually read it, so... Um, okay, but it's, it's like a Gwyneth Paltrow thing. Okay. But, um, yeah, I admitted recently when I did um, this talk at this worky thing that I uh, that I basically get, I get up at, like, between 9.30 and 10am. Like, I get up really mm. late. Yeah. But I work to, like, maybe 7. Listen, that's fun. And loads of people were like, oh, my God. Like, but I, I, I was judged. But, again, you're being judged for that, and I think you should be congratulated for managing to get... I mean, obviously, it's a privileged position to be able to sleep in a bit later, but some people will go to bed earlier because they have to get up at 6 in the morning, then they'll make sure they go to bed at 10 at night. But I think... The Whatever key, your routine My neighbour is a butcher, and he literally goes to bed at, like, 7 or 8 at night because he has to wake up really early to go to the meat market in in mm. the east end in the morning and so you're kind of no different from that you're working later to compensate for the fact that you're sleeping mm. later and i think that's good my husband he often writes at night and will yes. wake up because at night it's really easy to write without distractions i feel you like don't, that like and sometimes you're the brain, world is asleep and yeah, you're awake you're more, and you, you don't have to check twitter or it's, go and make a cup of my tea friend or, calls it the midnight boom in fact she called her album that but it's it, the midnight booms when you sort of get to around midnight and suddenly you feel your brain wake up and you have your best work 
And then some people like night owls are just like that and they will, you know, want to be awake and working and productive late at night and sleep in late. And some people are larks and they'll get up early and they'll, you know, be up at six doing amazing yeah. work and getting productive and sorting their house out and everything else. So we are genetically programmed differently as well. Can I tell you a scary stat? Yeah. Yes, yeah, scare us. Because I told our producer Shona this before and we were both like, <laughs> ah! Um, this is from this study that, that Dr. Walker just produced. They, they mm. had a little kind of um, mini facts bit attached to it, which horrified me. Um, it said an adult who sleeps only six and three quarters hours a night, which I actually think is nearly seven hours. It's quite good, right? Not bad. Would be predicted to live only to their early 60s without medical intervention. Mm. What? Yeah. Thank goodness for medicine, everyone. What, so every night, it's saying? <laughs> yeah. And, and then it says, if you drive a car when you've had less than five hours sleep, you're four and a half times more likely to have a crash. If you drive after having had just four hours sleep, you are 11 and a half times more likely to be involved in an accident. Um, <gasps> I drove here today and my child was up all night. <laughs> it's, it's, I find that scary. I'm and okay. also as, a, as an athlete, if you have anything less than eight hours sleep as an athlete, your, your ability to reach your physical, so, so your your you reach your physical exhaustion when you're doing your workouts, um, drops, it drops by 10 to 30%. Do you know what? That is why I'm not an athlete. But it's, I'd be a brilliant scary, athlete, but I can't do the sleep thing to get to my prime peak. I, th- I, I think they were less than seven hours that is dying terrifying. in your 60s. I mean, obviously you're not guaranteed to die in your 60s, but that is shocking, isn't it? I yeah. just think the thing it with is. that, though, is I'm just going to say it. We're talking about sleep shaming. Yeah. That's quite sleep shaming, that study. <laughs> like, but isn't it... It's going the other way. It's telling yeah, people off for not having enough. And if I'm worried about my sleep, I'm not going to sleep at all. <laughs> yeah, but the only difference That's is... That's the worst, isn't it? When, you're when you set with, your alarm yeah. and you know... Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said that, actually. He said, because he, he was like, I make sure I go to bed every night at the same time and wake up. He says, I set an alarm to go to bed, not to wake up. But the hardest... He, but, he, but I think... And he says also, if you wake up... If you need to wake up with an alarm, you've not had enough sleep. You should wake up naturally. But... You the, see, that's the, breaking the sleep cycle. Yeah. To break, yeah. to use an alarm. You have exactly. to come to the natural. But the difference is, you can say that's sleep shaming, but it's a scientific study, so it's a fact. And I know, obviously, it's Well, it's like shaming in but... the same way as saying you're eating 57 Mars bars, shame on you, in a weird way. So... Well, it's not shame on you, but it's like, you may die earlier than yeah, someone doesn't eat those Mars bars. Heads up, the, do your... what you like. Yes, that's true. <laughs> this so is I why think... Liana's the science one. Well, no, but it's like, I think the thing is, don't judge anyone who has six hours sleep. Like, they could be a parent, a busy person, like, whatever else. You know, they could be an incredible person, and respect for them for managing to function in a way that I can't. But heads up, you might be doing your body damage and your brain damage, and just as long as you we're might aware die of that. Early, well, just get some sleep. No, you know, know what? Though? In the olden, olden, olden days, they used to sleep in two blocks of four hours and wake up in the dead of the night and do stuff. Really? And so we only sleep according to what society dictates, really. Yeah. And society dictates that most jobs are nine to five, and so so mm. actually, Emma, you carry on getting up late and I do. I do have an afternoon nap as well because <laughs> because some. No, but I um at the moment I'm working on um a book which I need to like I need to work really hard on it and I do work hard but I have to I ha- my brain has to be engaged in a certain way mm. and so if I need an afternoon nap to give myself a second wind but this is it responsible really sleep. This yeah. is good. I think fine. I think <laughs> sleep twelve hours if it means you're more productive in the time that you're awake and you're doing what you need to do mm. properly and not causing car you know, crashes. Maybe this is your maybe you've answered your question about when you're a parent. Maybe you're banking so much sleep now that when, by the time you're sleep exhausted, you'll have so much in the bank. You're People in your credit. Say that sleep you credit. Can, yeah, you can ca- like the, the phrase catch up on sleep. That is true, isn't it? Because you sort of you can go away and catch up on it, but. 
I don't know. I, I, what about though the people that say you're missing out? By sleeping, you're not living. No, because dreaming's amazing, isn't it? I love dreaming. See, dreaming is amazing. But then I always think, right, so I'm teetotal. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're teetotal. But if you if you dream and then you can't remember the amazing dream, it's like it never even happened. So it's like people that go, oh, I had such a great night. I was so pissed last night. It's brilliant. But then you can't actually remember the brilliant. Yeah, but then when you're dreaming, you're not remembering your awake life. So, you know, so who's to say which one's better zone? There's something that's good in the moment as good as something that's good that you remember afterwards. Oh my gosh, we're going off at a tangent. Can I, can I ask you a question yeah, though? Just kind of back me. to what you were saying about you you and your husband doing the whole like I slept left. Trumps. Do you oh. do you think you do the top trumps with each other because you want the other one to maybe take over some kind of either parenting duty or chore or yes. or do you do it because you're kind of like um going look at me, I've had less sleep than you and you're not suffering as much as me kind of thing. Is both. it that competitive? Both? It's both. <laughs> yeah. It's twofold. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. We, I, as a parent you kind of do top trumps over everything nappy changing top trumps I changed the last 10 nappies or whatever but as I say I'm sort of coming out of that neck of the woods now so yeah I could be napping now but I'm doing I'm doing adult conversation do you so. also with the top trumps thing and I'm guessing this is why a partnership and a marriage is, is so great when you can kind of shift things around and each do bits but does it go in waves when like you've got something really crazily busy on at work and then if he's like mentally busy like do you sort of does the we, sleep you also change? have work top trumps as well where you're like yes but you can do that thing later i have to go and i don't know liana and emma are waiting so today he had to so we were waiting for this prescription to come at the doctors to see who like if it was quick because i drive if it came quickly then i could quickly drop my son back to school and do all that but then if it did and then he could go into work but then if it took ages then I'd come here you know so it's sort of juggling like almost whose work is more important or more maneuverable so if he's writing and then I I do a podcast um and I'm doing the podcast then sometimes he'll write in the night so he can watch the little one although the little one's in nursery now this is before he's in nursery while I can do the podcast so it's all sort of a juggling yeah. act as well it's, but that's the key, isn't it? It's like Tetris. <laughs> but then I think it's everything top trumps in life. So before you have kids, like, I don't know, going into it and people are like, I'm really hungover, oh, I'm really, you know, you're always t people are just, it's, it's another form of It's that classic Monty Joneses, Python joke yeah. though, isn't it? Um, and it's the sketch and he's going, I grew up in poverty. And, yeah. and he's like, I grew up, and oh, it yeah. ends up, I grew up in a matchbox. And, and was we ate every day. They set me on fire every day, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm really interested in this sort of like, the flip side of the way we're going and actually how social s status like culturally is actually going to be more uh the less that you do so like I got an out of office the other day from someone who was like um I'm out of the office I only check my emails um on a Thursday afternoon um if you need me and if it's urgent call me and I was like oh that's interesting because that's basically the opposite that's saying I'm not available yeah and and apart from this small window but that's based that person's read a book called the four hour week because there's a really famous Ooh. book by this guy. Tim, who, Tim Ferriss. Yeah, and he it, it's basically like, he, I think he's like a multi-millionaire now, and he's basically manoeuvred his life to make it so that he will work a four-hour week, or so he says. But anyway, and a lot of that is from getting automation. And he said, he, you know, he started at the beginning by going, I'll only check my emails for one hour of the day, and, it's, and then the rest of the time it's on automated response, saying I will only respond for this. And he's managed to get that down to 
once a week on a Thursday afternoon or whatever it might be. And now he says it, he's got it down. Everything's so automated. It's down to once a month. So um, he, yeah, he's nailed it. So he's he, getting 12 the, hours sleep. I reckon this guy, this guy, yeah, he's nailing his sleep. <laughs> so that guy's just in bed, like sleeping. And, and then but, Thursday yeah, afternoon, yeah. he opens his laptop. He's so productive for four hours. And then he just sleeps the rest it's, of the it's, but I did read, a, I read a bit of it. And it's a lot to do with like how to automate your life, basically. And how to learn how, what to spend money on. Because when is, when is spending money on something more important than your time and when is vice versa so it's kind it is quite clever obviously not everyone can do that like you can't be a doctor and do a four-hour week unfortunately you can't automate that and you know you can't be a cleaner and do a four-hour week because you couldn't live on it and you can't automate that so what he, he's he a particular do though he, he now he writes books and lectures and he's like and he's the king of how to four hour week. he's His the king of how to never get published he's full of it that but again there's, there's, guy. there was a good tip emma for you writing your book so his uh, his one chapter is about how if you've got knowledge if you're an expert in something writing a book's a good way to make some money and then and then continue to then be an expert and do talks and things like that yeah. and make relatively good money for not too many hours and one of his it's things so for writing true. the book was that he said he transcribes it all so he just says it all and then sends it off and will pay someone to type it out because he, with that those hours he would have done typing mm-hmm. it he could be earning more money doing a temp job for example no it's so, so yes. you need to bring out <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, like uh, uh, some sort of book where you can well you probably can you can go and do talks Everyone. yeah 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 Emma yeah. Does lots of talks, yeah. Yeah. yeah so there you go that's like most of the a lot of the people that I interview for the podcast I do a podcast for Penguin Books they all do TED talks but they're all you you know you find a sort of conference like I don't know the chartered accountants annual conference or whatever and you can get just paid heaps just to do a talk on your specialist subject for mm. is that Emma's already doing that She's so like, this was his tip like become an expert in yeah, something it's and true. then just rinse it but Again, like so, I think the person you emailed has read his book. Yes, I'm taking tips. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting that it was like the opposite of like I'm so busy, I'm so frantic, I'm running around like a headless chicken. Mm. It was like actually, um, you can't contact me, I'm afraid. And I was like, oh, is that like what you can't have? You're like, oh no, I really want to work with this person because yeah. they're yeah. so unavailable. Yeah, I might try it out. Of office. It's not demand. available. But if you really want me, text this number. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it like Bill Murray who only has a phone in his house and he just answers it and agents ring him and he just yeah. like says yes or no. Jack White doesn't have a mobile phone either. He uses answer machine. But then, but then that's um, going to be the new having a mobile phone, not having one. Isn't didn't it? Ed Sheeran recently get rid of his too? I think. <laughs> yeah, there was something about that. You know what? It's very trendy I've, to have a phone. I have <laughs> to say, I switched off my voicemail and it's liberating. Because do, do you have voicemail? Oh, I turned I mine get, off years I get, ago. I yeah. never learned and it's only my dad saying something well that's the thing most people like it's quite archaic to have voicemail these days isn't it I mean basically you get 10 messages and then your voice box is full and then if someone's saying an address or something you have to shift through to listen to the saved message of the address people text you it's just so much I think I'm going to be in the beginning of that film scream (laughs) <laughs> every time I listen to a voicemail I'm like I'm gonna die so I used I used to have my voicemail on and mine didn't stop at 10 messages and I wouldn't oh. I wouldn't pick up for I wouldn't bother oh, dialing in for a week and then it would say no I would ring it and it'd go you have 52 messages really? and I'd literally have a panic and I'd feel so much anxiety oh that I turned it off now and then again, it's like if they really want you they'll text you or you see like 15 missed calls from a weird number and you'll call them back at some point do you, do you have lots of notifications on your phone? Yeah, I, I, my, my friend is horrified. Looks at my email and she was like, you "You've got, you've got three thousand like, unread yeah, emails." I yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know why. But I thought, oh sorry. Maybe you're very productive and very good, but I just thought maybe you wouldn't mind having notifications. 
because yeah. you're quite easygoing. I try and turn as many of the notifications off as I can. It is a bit annoying, isn't it? And then you like, bing, 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 and you say, oh, I've got a text from someone. Uh, and often on mine, it's like games my kids have put on my phone. And it's like, you have five new credits on <laughs> Jumping Jack or whatever the game is. Called. It's like, Thanks. Oh, I know. <laughs> Thanks so annoying. for that. One of the ones I wanted to get off my breast was this idea of really, really judging the younger generations for being tech-obsessed, narcissistic, selfie-obsessed, um, and the word snowflake, which means fragile and they think they're really special and really unique mm-hmm. and really entitled, really demanding. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a label that millennials have got um, a lot more than any other generation. And um, looking at this chart that I have on my phone uh, to do with generational divides, um, so you've got the baby boomers who have gone through um, a lot of things, like they've had the highest divorce rate, um ever and the most amount of second marriages but they're in the position to do that but but more More, than maybe even their parents as well more than their parents because then it was more shunned in their Mm. parents generation so when when i was at school if someone's parents got divorced it was like blah blah's parents are getting divorced it was like a sort of still a thing whereas now it's like yeah whatever Mm. yeah so it was shocking for them they're the post-war babies so they obviously grew up like having their their parents actually living through a war like that's something Mm. that obviously was not great um and also it says here this is quite american but they were sold this like american dream that um basically you can sort of have it all um and then you've got generation x who have gone through sort of well these are 38 to 51 year olds yeah, that's, these... that's the range. So, you, so Connie, you, you're a Generation Xer. I'm, I'm an Xer. You just missed it. I just missed it. What yeah. are you? You're a Generation Y. I'm a generation. I'm a millennial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, on, I'm on the very top end of it, so I'm actually an Xennial, which kind of bridges the two. Oh. But, I, but yeah, baby boomers are like 52 to 71. What's year olds Generation and... Y then? I'm... So Generation Y is the same as millennials. Okay. 20, but... 23 to 37 year olds. Gen... Oh, so you're Generation Y. Yeah, just. Yeah. <laughs> but Generation X is interesting. They're the first generation that that didn't do as well as their parents because oh. baby boomers obviously did really uh clean up with like the housing market and they like property is owned by mostly baby boomers mm. still now and then yeah you've got millennials who've grown up with like digital media digital generation because much more sheltered of, than their parents they're sort of a product of the environment so basically it's they could get on the housing ladder because the situation was such that mortgages at that time were three and a half times an income and prices were low enough that it was attainable Mm -hmm. so it's impossible for if they were the same person now earning the same equivalent salary just because of the environment they're in Mm -hmm. so in a weird way like if people are thinking that millennials are sort of these people that just indulge themselves and their egos, narcissists or whatever, they're also, to some extent, a product of of a society in which you can sort of just vlog and you can indulge in yourself because baby boomers didn't have the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. So in a weird way, it's quite harsh on the actual people because you only are sort of what you can be according to your surroundings. Exactly. And and then, no, no, it's true. And that's why I think it's really pointless to sort of put people in categories and like play each other off against each other because actually we all grow up with the it's all relative I guess is what I'm saying like Mm. people are saying millennials have got it all they're you know they're snowflakes like they they 
bang on about how anxious they are all the time. But I just think we're in this really incredibly interesting time where we've actually got two generations of people where, you know, my parents got their first iPad when they were, I don't know, in their 40s. Mm -hmm. And then I've grown up all my life with technology. That's a massive divide yeah, between totally. generations. But then obviously baby boomers have a massive divide with their parents because if your parents were in a war and you mm. grew up with, you know, maybe quite, a, you, you were able to buy a house and you, you actually got quite a lot of money from yeah. the housing market. Like, that's a huge divide. I just think there's massive divides, but we all need to work together and not sort of just like... We totally agree. And we're, we're three different categories between us. Yeah, so Connie, you're... You're a I'm, generation X. Yeah, I'm generation X. You're I'm a generation Y, but I'm actually I'm 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 I cross I'm a millennial but I I'm ex <laughs> I'm exennial because unlike Emma, I although I'm a millennial, I'm on such at the top end that I was like eighteen before I got a mobile phone. So I didn't actually grow I had my youth of with I had my youth without any kind of technology. Whereas you what must have been like eleven, twelve when, yeah. yeah. So it's And then it, my niece and nephews are gonna but are there gen z i'm guessing yeah. they might even be like six are they newer. 16 to 22 is gen z oh no they're they're younger than that wow. we don't even, let's we don't even know what they are let's, coin let's the label them. them let's do it now called. we'll get it in the gen, gen abcs because they're so young i'm sure it's already got one <laughs> gen i'm sure oh. but the, but again is it weird because are you taking away this whole idea of people as individuals by by sort of clumping them into a box and saying and not only saying okay this is your environment and conditions like that you've grown up with like you just said there but you know I've heard Gen Z's being called lazy for example and privileged and ungrateful um you know and 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 actually sort of putting these kind of quite negative labels on them as well and there was there's was actually they might be all that but they won't get on the housing ladder <laughs> well they've got so I mean they've got means, some pretty tough you yeah know, conditions that's the thing them as well. there's ups and there's pluses and minuses. Yeah. Of and they're the first category. generation who are going to be worse off than their parents were yeah. as well. So every generation usually becomes a little bit better off than their parents, but not now. Mm. Also, but on the millennials thing as well, like, you know, the whole kind of, oh, you, you know, you've had it good and you haven't had anything bad happen to you as a generation, really, when you think of, like, the wars and all the rest of it. Actually, when you look at it, um, millennials have grown up with, like, being really young when 9-11 happened, mm. really young when the London bombing bombings happened. And pretty much all of their 20s have been to do with terrorism in the news. Mm. And I wonder if, like, calling people snowflakes and saying, oh, pull your socks up, other generations had it worse than you, is kind of missing the point of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole label snowflake is really unhelpful because it basically takes away anyone's right to have an opinion on something that's either offensive or not. And I think it's a, it's a kind of lazy label that you use to shut someone down in a conversation rather than actually engaging with them and listening to their point of view. And yeah, maybe they are being oversensitive, but then say that, say, I think you're being oversensitive in this issue. Like calling name calling is never a particularly productive way to argue. Yeah. Also um, the workplace is changing so much that I think the snowflake thing also comes from uh, millennials being known for asking for like a pay rise after a year or leaving their job to go and start their own business or mm. like they I think as a generation it is they are quite like don't want to do it that way mm. actually. The, there was a really interesting um uh, talk so it was like an interview with this guy I can't remember who it was he was he was a, a really fantastic speaker I think he worked in the business world Simon something Simon Sinek. Oh, Simon yeah. Sinek did you watch I, it? Yeah. And he was talking about 
how we view millennials in the workplace and how we like to kind of put them down and say they're lazy, they're this, they're open. And actually, it's our fault. It's the generation above because they've been raised by their parents to be told, you are the centre of the world. You know, you are the little prince, the little princess. You can do anything with your life. Don't worry about failing at school because it's the taking part that counts and all these kinds of messages. And then suddenly they leave the kind of like safe bubble of family and school and all the rest of it. And you expect them to be like hardened and to be able to take the knocks and to be able to just fit into an environment which is much tougher. And they haven't been prepared in the same way that say like maybe a baby boomer was whose parents, like you said, grew up in the war, who would have taught them some quite tough lessons and perhaps not treated their children as centre of the universe in a way we kind of have a tendency to do now, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you... No, totally. I mean, I, I, I remember just growing up and just silly things like now... You have to have a car seat for your child until they're like, I don't know, 12 years old or something, or five <laughs> foot or something ridiculous. And I just remember us being kids being bundled into the back seat of our car and like going around corners and you'd just slide from one side of the Playing seat corners. to the other. Yeah. <laughs> and just, the, but we, we just now, I think, how society is, everything's so structured and broken down, it's so fragmented that everything is labelled. Mm. You sort of had, I don't know, modernism, then you had post-modernism and now it's just almost like chaos so you have to put everything in little boxes mm. to, but it, to make it, don't you find with labels it helps the person doing the labeling more than it helps the person being labeled often mm. so you know what you were talking about being diagnosed like i can definitely see that there might be times when it would help because if you are for example diagnosed with some some form of autism maybe that can help you access different medical yeah care, no, maybe. Totally. But, but also it can be unhelpful because yes. it can feel that you've been you know boxed segregated you or, are, yeah, yeah. Think, yeah and i wonder whether the person who's being labelled is it's not as helpful whereas for like the doctors to understand how to deal with them that it's it's helpful for them to have those labels but I don't know I think yeah, yeah. I've got friends who um yeah definitely think labels to do with any sort of mental health stuff's really good because not knowing what is going on can be like mm-hmm. the most stressful and horrible time because the minute someone says you know you've got OCD actually that's what it is and we can help it rather than this is a character what am I doing yeah 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 so I think also with labels though what's interesting is that sometimes um what we actually perceive to be you know part of for example a generational trait like uh you know narcissistic or selfish or lazy whatever else or strong and you know uh, independent actually can be the opposite to what it really is there was a really interesting little sort of mini documentary on Newsbeat and it was talking about um, Gen Z and they said that older people tend to see Gen Z so that's like 16 to 22 year olds as um, as lazy and as um, they thought that their priorities in life would be things like social media and um, and celebrity so like being famous and being online and actually they did a survey with I think it was a, a, a over a thousand Gen Zs and they found their priorities were actually family um, partners and education so what we look at a generation and see is not necessarily even what's really going on and perhaps that's throughout all these different generations all these different labels you know how that much of it is really is true home, that is like the best example of this like that is that sums it up i think of also, waggling a finger at another generation when you don't know until you're and in you their see shoes. it through your generation's eyes so you might think well they're all technology obsessed but you're seeing it through your eyes of someone that's maybe grown up with not as much technology so it seems just because they're on an ipad or a phone or they're obsessed Whereas that, that's just the equivalent of, I don't know, you reading a book or whatever it was that you grew up doing. Yeah, they might be like doing their banking or like re- revising for an exam. Like, exactly. Or they could just be playing Candy Crush. But I just think it's interesting that, um, 
yeah, that it, there's so much, so, so much judgment flying around. Um, because you, I think you can't say the whole, like, in my day, it was like this. Like, well, we're not there any, now. Like, we have to look forward. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that, was, that felt good to get that off my, off my breast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I wanted to talk about today, what I wanted to get off my breast, was, um, I suppose, to do with gender in a way, um, but also to do with relationships and the way the media, I think, treat female partners of powerful or famous people in a very different light in a very different way to male partners so this kind of the sort of whole thought and thread of thought came from a twitter exchange i had with boy george which is quite unexpected um he tweeted so someone had tweeted this was um some months ago but someone had tweeted saying um yep the american dream standard has dropped you can now go from East Block stripper to first lady. So they were having a dig at Melania Trump, obviously, and looking at her past and her modelling, etc., mm-hmm. which is quite a low blow, I think, anyway, which is, you know, um, not to not uh, the route I'd advocate. But Boy George quite nicely stood up for her and said, you know, um, attacking someone about their past, hmm, not sure about that, judged lest they be judged and all that. Agree. Mm-hmm. But then he said, isn't her path sort of inspirational? So I responded and genuinely did not expect him to even read it because he had yeah. so many thoughts. And I said, well, it, it may have been more inspirational if her rise hadn't been via marrying a rich and powerful man. And he responded and said, well, so it's okay to marry a rich, successful man or woman if you're already rich. We all will use what we have. Beauty often marries money. And I kind of felt like he missed my point because my point was actually not that, you know, oh, well, because she's come from a broke background, it's not great that she's married someone rich. That was nothing to do with that. Well, I think what I find strange, and I've seen this, it's not just, not just Boy George, I've seen this quite a few times, is people kind of congratulating women who've married up in a way, and married some rich and powerful and gone like, hasn't she done well? And it's, you know, Melania Trump is an example of that, right? She's come from a poor background and, you know, now she's in the White House, which, you know, fine. But if she was someone who had worked her ass off or like done something incredible and managed to crawl her own way up and not by attaching herself to someone who was rich and famous, because, you know, probably partly because she's, you know, beautiful to look at and he was very attracted to her I see that as much more inspirational to young girls and young women Um, and I think like you would never talk about a man that way so like Theresa May's husband for example because she's obviously a female leader of this country like do either of you know much about him? I don't even I don't even think I know his name that's the thing because he's not sort of going to be in I don't know the Daily Mail online or, or something where because no matter how you look at it, yeah, things have progressed. But women are always in the media, you know, it's always like, what are they wearing? And men more so than before. But let's face it, it's still not equal, is it? I mean, and we all know that period of time when it was like, oh, Theresa May's in her kitten heels and this and that. But what about David Cameron's shoes? Did we ever, like, look mm. at it? Nobody... It... And, and can you imagine an article or, or even a comment online yeah. with someone congratulating Theresa May's husband going look at him high five he's made it like another man yeah. going great for him he's made it like no in a way people probably are more likely to see like oh must be a bit emasculating for him being married to such a powerful woman like I can yeah. imagine there's yeah. people it's like house husbands yeah whereas you know it, you know the whole wag culture as well of like women who are kind of glorified and, and celebrated for being basically beautiful and being married to a man it, it, you wouldn't get that in flip and also really. it really annoys me because it like plays into that narrative of like don't worry girls if you fail and you know we won't give you an education we don't really care about you because you can just marry well it's like 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's such a it's such a lesser like it's such a cop out I mm-hmm. think and well when- it doesn't help equality does it if if it we're sort of nurturing a mentality in which oh well you don't have to be clever if you're a girl if you've got looks you can maybe yeah. do it without yeah having, yeah you know, it and really yeah and also like you know Bumble that dating app um okay. where it's it's like Tinder but for girls and okay. you can it, the girls have to. Um, make the first move uh, you can't get like horrible comments like you have to you have to reach out to the man first and on the buses at the moment the tagline of the campaign is be the CEO your parents want you to marry <gasps> and it's all about like I love that taking on that role that actually would be successful in a man and I absolutely love that because I just think like my sister for example is a very very beautiful girl and sometimes people have made jokes like um, acquaintances of ours they're just like oh just you know get a rich husband and you'll be fine and it's like I and it's a joke. It's funny. It's like cult- culturally and socially, mm. people say that all the time yeah. to people. So, so my, uh, my my best friend, her daughter is my goddaughter, and um, she's got a, a sister as well. And, and whenever someone says to them, "Oh, yours," because they are they're gorgeous girls, and whenever someone says, which people tend to, you know, when they meet them first, "Oh God, aren't you both gorgeous? Aren't you both beautiful?" Phoebe will, my friend will make sure she adds, "And aren't you both smart, or aren't you both confident, or something mm. like that." Um, to try and counter that but I think what you were no saying no one makes that comment about me like I, I should marry well. <laughs> well but I think but I think what you were saying there Emma about you know the idea of marrying well again even deeper than that it goes down to the idea of what you were saying which is women still are congratulated and celebrated for being basically beautiful beautiful yeah um, and yet okay you, you will of course yeah like men get that too like men can be objectified and called sexy and hot but they're not when congratulated they're for for being really hot and marrying up, marrying mm. uh, successful women. Like, like Serena Williams' mm. partners, I don't know much about them. They're not talked about. They're not mm. focused on during her matches. Like, they're, they're certainly, like, not congratulated just for being with her. Um, I don't know. I, yeah. just think it's I was so just different. looking at the date because it's... Uh, we're recording this on September the 28th. And um, Hugh Hefner died today. <gasps> Did he? Yeah. So he... Know. So that, that to me, apt. is, like, yeah. sort of... He's the ultimate... Um, like, obviously, he's sad when anyone dies. But he is the poster sort of example of like by association women felt successful by being with him. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. End of an era. Yeah, definitely end of an era. Yeah, really so, interesting. So, so why do we think that we still do that? And I think women do it too. And actually, Connie, I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on mm. this as well because you, you have the experience of not only being a woman who's achieved a lot and who's been known in her own right for her achievements, but has also then married someone who is successful and known in, in different circles perhaps and for different things as well and do you find that you've been either objectified or judged or kind of labeled as the wife or how's that experience it's funny because we were chatting about this before and yeah. we both have 
uh, friends in common, Gia. Um, mm. And she's married to Brian Cox, Professor Brian Cox. And, and she did this whole thing about how annoying it is when you're introduced as like blah blah's wife. Mm. And because um, your your partner is also in the, in the limelight, do you get that much? Like where you're introduced as like this is this is Noel's girlfriend. Yeah, but you know what? I also because because Gia's article she wrote this one. I thought it was yes. a fantastic article. And she, again, it was that split. So someone like Melania Trump, who looks very kind of like a lot of men's wet dream, basically of what a gorgeous wife should look like, like you know, beautiful body, blah, 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 all the rest of it. I don't fit that mold. I don't think Gia fits that well. No, but it's, li- listen, listen, yeah. listen, I'm not... I mean, no, I, 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 would, I, I would disagree. I, I, yeah. Listen, I, don't, I, don't, I definitely don't fit the mold. I wish and, and, and Gia, who I think is stunningly attractive, she's, she's, she's not a, you know, uh, 32 double E blonde... You know, she just, she's not that kind of... She, we, you know we're not seeing... We don't look like trophy wives. Why I'm, often people are thinking... Uh, like you're saying, you don't fit that mold because often, especially in certain sections of society, that mold is sort of for someone that's blonde. Yeah, sort of very blonde and but a bit Jessica Rabbit weird yes, thing. It's but funny. I don't, I don't want to. Although she's got red hair, but it's that. Oh, yeah, yeah it's I that don't want to fit that mold. But what was interesting is that so someone like you, Melania Trump, who who looks a certain way, will be very much celebrated. And you know, you've got like a lot of footballers' wives who look a certain way and will be kind of often talked about in their, you know, have articles and articles about them and be pictured a lot. And Gia was saying, like from her point of view, so mm. she's a wife and she's mm. they're married, been married for a long time. And she's she's gorgeous and she's a successful woman in her own right. But she gets treated as the invisible wife. So when she's with Brian and they are photographed, and I've had this as well, she'll be described Brian Cox and friend. You know, they've been married for you know together for however long. Um, but she's still treated as the invisible kind of wife, and people don't really have that kind of respect for their relationship. And, and I've had that a lot. Smart. I've been described as plus friend and things like that, and I don't mind at all. It doesn't bother me. But it's interesting how, depending on what you look like, you'll be treated very differently as the wife or girlfriend of someone. <laughs> you went recently to LA, yes, with Charlie, so, and and congratulations yes, on the Emmys. Yes, two Emmys, which is totally like which is oh fantastic. And I saw an article, and mm. it was like Connie Huck at the Emmys. What a surprise! And I just yeah. thought. I just found it really kind of disrespectful and yeah. offensive. It was like, why wouldn't you be there, obviously, number one? And secondly, like, I don't know. I just sort of, the tone of it, I found really kind of just sort of diminishing your own yeah. achievements as a, a successful woman. And I just, I just, I just think that's, that the people have a tendency to do that to the partners of... Yeah, it's all about, oh, and she was wearing this dress. Or, whereas if I was a husband of someone, it wouldn't matter what I was wearing probably because it would be just another tux but the point <laughs> being it's what you were saying of like Melania is is scrutinised in a completely different way from mm. Theresa May's husband and I've seen Melania talked about on Twitter as well people saying like I'm so proud to have a beautiful and graceful first lady finally in the White House and I just thought well first of all really like have you seen mm. Michelle um, I don't find that inspiring in any it, way exactly but what I thought was interesting is I couldn't help but make a comparison to like someone like Kim Kardashian but in a different way because she's been she's made her own success she's sort of done a similar Melania thing like coming from a situation where she didn't have lots of money and she's used her sexuality to then get yeah. really famous but she's married to Kanye West, but I don't think that that... She was famous before. Mm. She was her own person before. And even though I don't look at Kim Kardashian and think, oh, I want that life, or um, I, I don't really find her a role model in, in any way personally, I can't help but think, well, at least it was on her terms. Mm-hmm. And at least um, she used her body and her looks and all of her sexuality and all the rest of it to to get successful. But she did all of that herself, actually. Mm. Do you agree? I mean, I 
she did do it all herself. If if she'd married Kanye first and done all that, after it would be a Melania move. Yes, yeah. that's the thing. But but then in a weird way, both sort of parts are kind of the same. It's mm-hmm. just the order is different. Mm, very true. And, so, and I think also though it's important to say like I don't think Melania's done I don't know obviously she could be an amazing woman, she could be a terrible woman, who knows? It's hard to tell. Um I don't think she's done anything wrong by marrying someone who she's married and you know well other than the fact that I can't imagine why she'd want to marry him but you know she's not to be criticised for doing no. that but it's more like she's also not not to be congratulated for having like done that for being like now successful because I don't think marrying someone or being you know being married to someone is, is should be seen as like an aspirational successful mm. thing to it's do like, in this life is gonna, this is controversial but I'm going to say it so when people get engaged and on Facebook you get they get 500 comments and congratulations, congratulations. Mm. I've always thought, like, is getting engaged or getting married, is it an achievement? Because mm. society does congratulations, well done, well done on getting married. And do men get the same congratulations, do you think, than women on an engagement, so. do you think? Maybe. Yeah, I think it's, so. but, and I, that's not saying, like, I think marriage is a beautiful thing and I love weddings. You know but it's what just I like, think? It, I don't think it should be I think it's because it's the term congratulations. So if it's your birthday, people say happy birthday. There isn't an equivalent term for getting engaged. So people say congratulations. Because it's, it would be weird if they weren't happy engagement or, you know, it doesn't quite... So we need a new term. Yeah, basically. we've but got quite a few new terms to put out there. There was that episode of Sex it's only in the because City. If, if one of my friends gets a promotion, yeah. she'll get, like, two comments, well done. But engagement, mm. oh, like, that well done you. And I just find, like, we should congratulate people on, you've got a new, you've bought yourself a house, wow. You've got an, enge- uh, an engagement, cool. You've got a job promotion. Yeah. Or maybe you've just come out of a really bad time in your life. It's just, like... Maybe the, the we should wait. congratulate people on divorce because you've got away from that horrible. Well, they have divorce parties now, don't they? People throw divorce parties. Yeah. It's just interesting the weight that we give as a society I think, on engagement and marriage. Like I, it is a, it is an achievement. I think we still see there's various like markers of like successful life. One is like a successful career, and we still see one as like having a successful partnership um, and having a family like mm-hmm. and being able to balance and have those three I mean maybe there's more than that that I'm, I'm being particularly narrow but there was an episode of Sex and the City I don't know if you guys saw it mm. but Carrie Bradshaw got fed up of going to like yeah. was it was it baby showers yeah, or no, was it just going or was to it everyone weddings? else's everyone else's stuff where each time she'd buy them a wedding gift a wedding, and, yeah, and it was really expensive and she, and she was like I'm going to throw myself yes. a party and I'm going to marry myself and I want yeah. presents, and I want you to spend two hundred dollars on, t- you know, transport and hotel and presents and all the rest of the, you know, outfits and everything else. Mm. And everyone was dropped. It was it was quite an interesting point of, you know, why, yeah, why, uh, why a single woman not allowed to have a celebratory yeah. single men yeah. a celebratory moment list. of like I've done well in life. I'm, you know, I'm I'm I have a career I love. I'm enjoying my life. Yeah, Let's celebrate lots me. of people <laughs> these days don't want marriage and don't want kids. So surely if they have marriage and have kids, that's a failure if that's not what they want do you see what i mean i'm just flip reversing so maybe we should have like a kind of like just yay to life celebration like when you get to a certain point you're like do you know what just yay to my life i'm doing really (laughs) really and this is going to sound really sort of happy clappy but it should be just measured on happiness because really all you can want in life is happiness that encompasses everything doesn't it yeah and and sort of to I guess, why am I being devil's advocate today? Normally I'm not the one. But Do it, just, I love it. I love this time of I know, I'm coming out today. But to, to flip it, people listening might think, if, if Melania, from the day she was born, her success in life 
was I want to marry someone really rich and I want to um, I want to be someone who was hanging off the arm of a really, really rich, powerful man. So maybe in Melania's book, mm. she's actually achieved what she yes, wanted to achieve. But, and I agree with that in a way, and that's personal, and that's fine. And if she at night goes to bed and thinks, well done me, this is exactly what I've always wanted, then bully for her, that's great, I'm happy for her. But for someone in a position of, you know, have to have a platform like Boy George to tweet about that and say, isn't her path inspirational? Well, when you're talking about inspirational, you're talking about other people seeing that and being inspired by it. And I don't think, I definitely don't think it's an inspirational message we should be promoting, Mm -hmm. even if it is inspirational secretly, um, to some people. Like, I don't think it's a message we should be sharing to especially young girls, that that is something to be applauded. Like, is it inspirational to a young girl that doesn't look blonde and like, you know, the... Donald Trump dream trophy wife you know that's not an inspiration to them they're just thinking well I'll never be able to but hopefully it's not to even people who do look like that but that's what I mean Uh, yeah I mean that's it's not inspiration in any way really to anyone it's fine like you shouldn't judge people you know there is nothing wrong with choosing to you know if you are married and you're married to someone who's got a, unless, and be, wants to be a housewife or want to just stay at home, whatever I don't think there should be any judgement against that I'll tell you where, where it is inspirational to think that if you're stuck in circumstances that you can, you, you're not, you don't have to be in those circumstances forever. Mm. But it doesn't mean you have to marry a, a rich man. It means that you can study and maybe make a success. There's many different paths to get out of that. Exactly. But you don't have to be stuck where you're at. There is hope. That's that's as far as the inspiration goes. I suppose so. As okay, I'm going to following gonna, I, all right. path. In which case, Connie, you've, <laughs> and Emma, you've made, I apologise for George for my, my, but my no, Twitter row with you. It depends we don't know on whether how he meant it. We don't know what he meant And we don't it. know whether she's going to divorce him, like, and get, you know, we don't know her game plan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's getting dark now. <laughs> she might have the last lot. <laughs> no, maybe we'll cut that out. Um, <laughs> joke. Um, thank Legal you. disclaimer. <laughs> thank you so much, Connie. Pleasure. Yeah, thanks brilliant for guest. having me. I like we got it. it all off our breasts and feel lighter. Yeah, me too. My, float up towards the ceiling my, any my moment now. <laughs> feels non-existent. It's <laughs> gone down a cup size. <laughs> Thank you so much to Connie Huck. It's been another brilliant episode, we think. Anyway, we've had fun. I hope you did too. Um, if you are enjoying the Get It Off Your Breast podcast, please do click subscribe wherever you're listening so that you make sure you don't miss any episodes. And you won't want to miss next week because we'll be joined by Monroe Bergdorf. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.